I'll be preaching a series from John 17, so let's turn back there and I'll read a few verses, refresh our memories of these sacred verses that the Holy Ghost has preserved for us. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, now this is a this is a conversation between our Lord and his Father. And it's immediately concerning the cross about which he was to go. And he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We'll stop right there. Now if you will, turn back with me to John 17. I'm going to confine myself to a single verse. John 17 and verse 3. This will be the second message and what I hope will be a profitable study of our Lord's Prayer. I do not believe that this is an exhaustive account of every word our Lord prayed. He told His disciples, He said, you stay here and I'm going to go yonder and pray. He prayed for a while and when He come back they were sound asleep. Now I read through this prayer at an average speed, just like I would read to you. I, I read through this prayer. It took three minutes and six seconds. I don't believe they were asleep in three minutes and six seconds. So this is not an exhaustive account of everything that the Lord had to say. What I do believe is this is what the Holy Ghost moved John to write and record. This is what we really need to focus on when we think about His prayer to His Father before He went to the cross. So here then is our subject and the message I hope and pray is for this hour. This is eternal life. This is. May the Lord Himself be pleased to teach and apply these words. Now here's our text. Verse 3. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Now our text begins with an and. With an and. And whatever this eternal life is, it is divinely tied to the Father's glorification of His Son. Isn't that what He prayed? Mm -hmm. Father, glorify Thou me, 
Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify thee. As thou hast given Him power over all flesh that He should give eternal life. This prayer is about eternal life and it's about the glory of God given to the Son to manifest it. So whatever eternal life is, it's divinely tied to the Father's glorification of His Son and the power that He gave Him. And the giving of this life to His elect. Now it's not my aim to make the way of salvation more complicated than it is. Nor is it to simplify it beyond the boundaries set in the Word of God. What I want to do, what I hope to do, is is to show you in the Word of God what this eternal life is. Now the sensualist that... And you know what I'm talking about. You know what sensualism is. The sensualist would have you believe that salvation is altogether transferred to men through a feeling. They want to talk. Are you saved? Oh, yeah. I can take you back to the day and the time. Boy, I was in misery and all of a sudden, I, oh, I got this feeling. I just, man, I got this feeling. The intellectual... He would tie it to all the theology recorded in the books. You walk into his office and it's filled with books. Wall to wall, surrounded with books. The will worshippers define eternal life as a decision. God voted for you. Satan voted against you. You have the deciding vote. They have eternal life all the way down. They've watered it all the way down to a decision. The legalists call for the law and your obedience to it to generate a self-righteousness accepted, make you acceptable to God. And the ceremonials say eternal life is magically imparted to believers through things. I'll give you an example. The Catholics call communion the Eucharist. They say that that bread and wine turns into the body and blood of Christ when you put it in your mouth. Pentecostals talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they call that salvation. And they say it's evidenced by speaking in tongues. And religion in general is a mixed concoction of all these things. It's just a melting pot is what it is. Men have heard this, saw this, read this, did this, and it's like a big light bulb comes on and we'll just leave this church and start one over here and this is what we're going to believe. It's just a big melting pot. And then most men and women, if asked, will define eternal life as everlasting. It just means you're going to live forever. Well, eternal life is eternal life. Is it going to last forever? Yeah, it's eternal. But that's not what he's talking about. Not what he's talking about. Alright, so what then is eternal life? He said this is. Not something else. He doesn't leave you to your imagination to come up with some kind of explanation. 
He tells you what it is. This is eternal life. Well, let me give you seven things I found in the Word of God concerning life eternal. What is eternal life? Eternal life, first of all, is the life of God. Huh? Way back yonder in eternity, there was no other life, was there? It just God. Whatever this eternal life is, the Father's going to give it to the Son. That's God giving God. It's the life of God. John begins his gospel telling us that in the beginning was the Word, the gospel of John. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now listen, in Him was life. What is eternal life? It's the life of God. That's what he's talking about. The life of God. Everlasting life, divine life, eternal life. There's no life apart from God and whatever death is, whatever it is, it is more than anything else separation from God. Whatever holiness is, it has to do with the wholeness of God, the very life of God, the character of God, and all of His attributes, all functioning, all at the same time in perfect harmony. He's a just God, the Scripture says, and a Savior at the same time. Oh, what's a Savior? Well, He saved sinners. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But He's a just God. He must punish sin. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. You see what I'm saying? Now, we're talking about God. We're talking about His life, His character. Who is God? What is this life all about? It's about His attributes. He's a just God, but He's also a Savior. He's also a Savior. He's righteous in all things. God has appointed a day in which He'll judge this world in righteousness by that man, Christ Jesus. He's righteous. Everything He does is righteous. Yet He's merciful to chosen sinners. Eternal life is the life of God. Look with me at this verse over in 1 John 5. Turn with me over there for just a minute. 1 John chapter 5. He's establishing a fact. And He says it's established in heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it's established in heaven, it's established in the earth. 1 John 5, 11, what is it? This is the record. See it there, 1 John 5, 11. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Huh? It's in His Son. He that hath the Son 
That's life. And he that hath not the Son, whatever else he has. Maybe he can speak in tongues. Maybe he can do miracles. I don't know. Satan did. But he hath not God. Eternal life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God, now listen, hath not life. Eternal life is the life of God. Now listen to this, verse 13. Let, don't let me leave this too quick. First John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. How do I know if I have eternal life? I have the Son. That's only what you can know. The life's in Him. Life's in Him. Eternal life is the life of God, and whatever it is, it involves having the Son of God. He that hath the Son hath life. Now, here's the question. How do men and women have Christ? I have a car. I have a truck. I have a cell phone. I have a wife. How do I have Christ? Huh? In what sense do I have Christ? We have Christ by faith. Do you know that, that eternal life, he talks about laying hold of eternal life. How are you going to do that? By faith. By faith. Now I'm going to tell you something. I've been told all my life. I was raised in false religion. And I was told all my life what a simple thing faith is. I talk to them. I, I, I want to be saved. What do I need? What do you just believe? Huh? You young people, has somebody told you that before? Nobody. Just, just believe. Can you? Huh? Can you muster it up? Can you go in here and, and whatever you have in here and come out with faith? Can you produce it? Faith is not a simple thing. Faith is a miraculous work. You have to be enabled of God to believe. By grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves. You're not going to find it in here. It ain't in there. There's nothing simple about faith. Faith is a divine gift. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, he told his disciples, they said, why do you keep talking to these people in parables? Why don't you just tell them like you told us what the parable means? Why don't you just gather them to yourself and say, look, here... You know, here's what the world is, here's what the field is, here's what... Why don't you do that? He answered them. Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given. That's why. 
That's why. Faith is not given to all men. It's given to His elect. Over in John chapter 6, there were some people who saw Him feed 5,000 men beside the women and children. No telling. Probably eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there. Maybe more. And He took a few fishes and a few loaves and blessed it and they passed it out and everybody ate to the full and had 12 basketfuls of leftovers. We're going to have fish over at Walter's. I hope he's got more than three. But he didn't. And he fed that multitude. And them people saw it. And that wasn't the only miracle they saw. They knew that there was a storm out on that sea and sunk ships and people dead and unfound. And here he is on the other side. Nobody did. How'd he get there? There wasn't any boats because they tried to get boats to go across and there wasn't any boats. They walked all the way around, got on the other side, and here he is. And they saw him heal people. They saw him cleanse lepers, raise the dead. They, they said, what can we do to work the works of God? Oh, they wanted to do that so bad. Huh? He said, this is the work of God. You want to see a miracle? Here it is. Believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the work of God. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. Faith's not a simple work generated by unregenerate men. Faith is a miraculous work whereby natural men are enabled of God to do that which is contrary to their nature. Totally contrary. I don't know who first started this saying, but I like it. And I've repeated it often. God's going to save you against your will with your full consent. And that's exactly what He does. Faith lays hold on the Son of God. Scripture says we have by the immutability of God's counsel and His oath a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. There's only one way to lay hold. Paul said, I don't have it. I'm reaching out for it. Reaching out. Lay hold on eternal life. And he tells us what that hope is, which hope entered beyond the veil for us, even Christ, our high priest. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it said the natural man. The natural man. It talks about the spiritual man. Spiritual man, he's given, he's given to understand all these mysteries. The Holy Ghost reveals it to him through the preaching of the gospel. It's transferred to him. He's given life, all these things. And then he gets down to verse 14 and he said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Their foolishness to it. Huh? The foolishness. If left to himself, a natural man will never believe, he'll never worship, he'll never pray, he'll never love, and he'll never repent. These are all the results of God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
We receive the things of the Spirit by faith, and that faith, he says, is not of ourselves. And the one, now listen, the one glorifying attribute of faith. How do I know if I have faith? Well, the one glorifying attribute of faith is that it finds all that it needs in Christ. What's your hope? I'll tell you if you got faith or not. What's your hope? Christ is my hope. Huh? Simple but profound, ain't it? Listen to this. Paul said, for me to live. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Eternal life. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He that hath the Son hath life. Paul said, you're dead. You're dead. He ain't talking about a curse, he's talking about a blessing. Read Colossians chapter 3. He's talking about a blessing. He said, you're dead. And your life is hid, watch this, with Christ in God. It's the only place it's safe, isn't it? In him. You believe on him? You pass from death and life. You're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And my friend, the reason we walk around frustrated and disappointed is because we don't find enough evidence in ourselves of eternal life. It ain't in you. It's in Him. You're looking in the wrong place. You want assurance? Look at Him. Oh, I just don't pray enough. He did. I just, oh, I don't serve enough. He did. I don't walk right. <laughs> he did. There's my life up there. And you know what? He said we're seated with Him in glory. Our life is hid in Christ with God. Boy, that's as safe as you can get it, isn't it? Eternal life is in the Son. His life, His work, His faithfulness, His dedication, His devotion. There's the true evidence of life. Life's in the Son, preserved in Him, perfect in Him. And in Him it's safe and secure. And that brings me to the second thing I want us to think about. Eternal life is union with Christ. It's the life of God. And if that life is in God, how do I have it? In union. That's how I have it. In union. What's that mean? I'm one with Him. Everything God purposed for His elect, He designed to give by way of union with Christ. He's the vine. Your branches. Boy, branch ain't much without the mind, is it? Huh? It's just dead. Talks about that in that chapter 2 over in John. 
that branch, it don't have any fruit, it doesn't have any leaves, well, we just gather it up and throw it in the fire, it ain't good for nothing else. But boy, that branch is in the vine. Huh? It does what that dead dry branch can't do. It brings forth fruit. And the funny thing about that fruit, it glorifies the Father. All of it. Everything the branch produces, it receives from the vine. He won with the vine. John 17, 10, he said, and all mine are thine. He's talking to the Father. Talking to him about this union. He said, all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I'm glorified in them. He's glorified in us in that his work is effectual to the saving of our souls by way of union with him. Ephesians 1.3, the Holy Ghost tells us that God blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Long before there was a word. Long before there was any stars in the heavens or planets or sun or anything else. God blessed us, now listen, with all. Everything God intended to bless man with, He blessed him in His Son. Well, does that mean everybody's blessed? No. It's according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Huh? How's that possible? There wasn't even a creation. We had no being, no good or evil that had ever been done. It's according to the election of God. That's, that's how. And yet he blessed us with everything God intended to bless us with. And, and here's how he did it. He chose us in Christ. Well, how does a man get in Christ? By decision? Uh-uh. How does he get in Christ? God put him there. Of God are you in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you can get there. Of God. Who's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. Now listen. I am the life. Ain't no life apart from Him. Thirdly, eternal life is the gift of God. As thou hast given him, John 17, 2, power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now the Father, the Son's praying to the Father, and I'm going to the cross, and I'm going to die, and this is going to be the crowning work of my obedience to you. I'm doing what you sent me here to do. And what you sent me here to do is give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me. You reckon somebody down the line ain't going to get that life? <laughs> huh? Uh-uh. They're all going to get it. Every one of them going to get it. Oh, listen to me. Every Arminian sermon I ever heard growing up, it ended with this plea. You need to get saved. How on earth you get saved? You can't get saved. God has to save you. You don't even want to be saved. And if you did, you wouldn't know what you're getting saved from. 
It's always, it always ended in a plea to give God something. Give Him my soul, my life, my heart, my time. My, the list is endless. What's He want with that old heart? The heart's deceitful above all things. Out of the heart proceed murders, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, blasphemies. Huh? You reckon God wants that old heart? I'll tell you what the heart you're going to give him is the one he gives you. <laughs> the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. They said, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. He said, I told you. I told you, told you plainly. That's what this parable is all about. <laughs> I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. He said, I told you. But you believe not because you're not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. Can you hear his voice? His sheep do. Every one of them. They hear his voice. Oh. The good shepherd said of his sheep, I give unto them eternal life, and they'll never perish. Now listen, neither is any man going to pluck them out of my hand. They'll try. Lord knows they'll try. Boy, they've got scheme after scheme after scheme. They'll try, but they don't get you out of his hand. And he said, my father which gave them me is greater than them all, and no man's going to pluck them out of his hand. Eternal life is not a reward for a, a life well lived. It's not what one old free will evangelist preached one time, payday someday. I tell you, if you get a payday, you don't want one from God. Hell is payday someday. The wages of sin is death. You don't want a payday. Let me tell you something. Knowing what I know about fallen man, I wouldn't waste my time preaching to him. What would be the reason? None that understand me. I'd just be spinning my wheels. None that understand me. None that seeketh after God. I'd just be wasting my time. He drinks iniquity like water. His righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Ignorant of God, destruction and misery in his ways. Without profit, he's not profitable to God in any way. He has nothing that God wants. Why would I preach to natural men? Because God's going to give them eternal life. Somebody. And he's going to do it through the preaching of the gospel. But I'm going to tell you something. Life ain't of man. It's of God. It's of God. Christ said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I love this. Over in the book of Ezekiel, the Spirit of God took that old prophet Ezekiel and swept him up, carried him out to a big valley. And he said, Son of man, 
What do you see? And he looked. And he said, all I see is dry bones. Dead, dry bones. Can these bones live? Huh? Where you go for an answer to that? To the one who's asking, Oh Lord God, thou knowest. Preach to them. <laughs> to bones? Yeah, to bones. Dry bones? Yeah, dry bones. Oh, they're very dry. Preach to them. What am I going to tell them? Live. What's it take to have this eternal life? It takes God saying, Live. That's what it takes. And everybody says it to live. Oh, it's the gift of God. If left to himself, man will surely perish. If left to himself, he'll be deceived and he'll go out believing in some hopeless scheme of man. But in the hands of God is the gift of life, eternal life, everlasting life, the very life of God. And how does He dispense it? Through the preaching of the gospel. When the Jews at Antioch rejected the preaching of Christ, and you go back and and bear me out, here's what Paul told them. You have rejected the spoken word of God. The word which God spoke to you. How did He do it? Through Paul. You rejected the spoken word of God and thereby you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. God's going to save somebody. Somebody's going to receive this everlasting life. He's purposed it to be so and so I'm privileged to preach and ready to preach and I expect men to believe I do. Why wouldn't you believe? If God's in it, you'll believe. Do I doubt His power to save? Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's a process of life in natural men, isn't there? All these things are pictures of spiritual things, but just think about it a minute. There's a process of life to natural men. There's... At the end of this process, a baby's born. comes forth from its mother's womb, breathes its first breath of air, cries. We ain't got one keeping him up all night. It's a process, isn't it? A baby comes out of its mother's womb. The Holy Ghost describes this manifestation of our quickening as being born of God. Born again. It's the gift of God. Babies don't come into this world at random. Babies don't come into this world by their free will. Babies are the result of the sovereign will of God. I'm talking about His babies. And their birth is the end result of a process. Eternal life is communicated, manifested, brought to pass by the preaching of the gospel and the powerful and amazing work of the Holy Ghost. 
Paul looked at those Corinthians and he said, I have begotten you through the gospel. What a statement. Huh? It's a process. And he knew it. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. As natural birth is a result of a seed sown. Even so, Peter said, we're born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And this is the Word which by the Gospel is preached unto you. It's the gift of God, isn't it? Eternal life. Fourthly, eternal life is the hope of the believer. Turn with me over to the book of Titus. Titus. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul said that he was in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in thee in due times manifested this word, this word concerning eternal life through preaching. Huh? Isn't that a beautiful verse? Oh, I'm just out under a shade tree. <laughs> you probably were. But that is, you weren't born of God out under a shade tree. He manifested these promises through the preaching of the gospel. This man was an apostle. He was a true servant of God, yet confesses that his hope was in the promised life of God in Christ. I see this life in him. And my hope is in Him. Fifthly, eternal life is a light shining in a dark place. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now I'm telling you, this world's in darkness. You won't get them to confess it until God turns on the light. But it's darkness. He said, if the light that be in you be darkness, if all these things you think you know, all these things you think you trust in, if that's all darkness, then how great is the darkness? The whole world lies in darkness. Oh, my soul. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This life in Christ is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, He said, has shined in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Eternal life is light. It's light, it's truth. And then lastly, eternal life is a knowledge given by the Son. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Now, John just keeps telling us all through this first general epistle of his, he just keeps telling us what he knew. And we know. And we know. And we know. And now he gets down to the end of the letter. 
in verse 20, and he said, And we know that the Son of God hath come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that's true, and we're in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And let me close with this. Back in our text, John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou seest. This is eternal life. Huh? Oh, may God teach us this truth.